Hey leaders, if you're struggling to keep your team engaged and productive, you want to know what I'm about to share. Hello, Crystal DeCuna here, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to the Leaders Listen Up podcast. I'm your host, and I look forward to being your friend. Hey, each week, we're going to equip you with new tools and creative techniques to help you design epic customer and employee experiences, allowing you to deliver loyalty, retention, and sales that all deliver award-winning service. My friend, my leader, we want you to be the people's champion for your team and for your customers. So are you struggling to keep your team engaged and productive? Because as a leader, you know that motivating your team is essential for success. And in this episode, I'm going to share with you three unique tips to engage your team and ultimately increase that productivity. Whether you're struggling with uh, burnout, uh, disengagement, or you simply want to inspire your team to, to be to achieve that excellence that we're all looking for, these tips are sure to take your leadership skills to the next level. So... If you're ready, leaders, listen up and let's dive in. As a leadership development expert, I've had the privilege now of working uh, across a variety of industries, a variety of, of size organizations. And if there's one thing I know, it's that the struggle to engage a team and keep things productive is often one of those things that every leader struggles with. Uh, it can be exhausting and definitely definitely challenging. And so this episode um, was actually inspired by two of my clients who, you know, are just every time I connect with them, every time I talk to them, they're incredibly dedicated to creating a culture um, of success and one that thrives. But they get so connected to their team um, that they just love their team. I mean, how awesome is that, right, to be a leader who just absolutely appreciates their team. And they appreciate them so much. They put in so much hard work and um, just they have, these particular leaders have such a willingness to put in that extra effort and to be vulnerable with their team. But what I know is that often they're challenged because when they're, they're challenged when it comes to keeping it consistent. So when they're referencing, you know, this this amazing team and they're always saying, you know, Crystal, I have the best team ever. I have the best people. And you know who you are if you're listening to this, uh, one of my leaders, then, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I have the best team. But when they're having these conversations with me, it's often that they're talking about one or two specific people. Right in their mind, they're talking about uh, referencing one or two specific people, uh, those key team members. But when you think of the team as a whole, um, you know, it might not be as like the best team ever. Right. So there might be those key people that really stand out. The other thing is that, um, you know, they could be so thrilled about the performance of their team. And then all of a sudden, they get disappointed. They get blindsided. Has that ever happened to you as a leader? Let me know because that's. That's the kind of thing sometimes it happens. We give them our all. We put everything into them. And sometimes we get blindsided. And, you know, some of the leaders that I work with, when they get blindsided like that, it can be devastating. Not only do you you take it personally, uh, but it can be really devastating. And, And sometimes I even see leaders looking at it as a failure in their leadership style, which absolutely it's, I mean, it could be, it could be, but not my leaders because my leaders are pretty awesome. But sometimes, you know, at first it can present itself like that. 
of course, you know, after they vented and, and talked to me about Crystal, like, I do everything for them, and I've done this for them, and I've done that. You know, that happens. We're all leaders. We're all human. And so that happens. And they take that deep breath, and they stop being defensive. And then they're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What what did I do wrong? Where did I, how did I get blind? How did we get here? Um, and let me know, does that ever happen to you? Because we see that happening so, so often. And if you can relate, uh, you know, tell me, because that's the kind of thing that happens where we give them our all and um, and then sometimes we get blindsided. Now, it's a two-way street, right? We have to be able to, to open up these lines of communication. And so today I wanted to share with you three tips that have proven to be highly effective in, in a wide variety of industries. So really, whether I'm working with a, an organization that has five to seven people, or whether I'm working with an organization that has 500 people, um, the, this foundational principles that I'm going to share with you right now have worked in all cases. So um, they're really part of strategic conversations I have because you have to get tactical with some of these tools that I'm telling you. Um, and you have to really understand what action looks like, right? Sometimes we can share these grandiose ideas with people and, you know, to be a good business leader, you need to do this, this, and this. Well, what I want to share with you um, today, but but also in all of our episodes to come, is tactical things that you can do right now, like actionable things that you can do to be able to, to increase those leadership skills, right? And so number one tip I'm going to share with you is develop a growth mindset culture, not just you as a leader, but a culture to have that growth mindset. So first, we got to define what that what, what a growth mindset really is, right? Um, and so a growth mindset culture is a culture that fosters continuous learning and development. So it's never a question of, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing this for 30 years. It is a culture where no matter how long you've been with the organization or how long you've been doing something, you're open and willing to grow and develop, right? And so it encourages your team members to take risks, try new things, learn from their mistakes. Celebrate those small wins and use failures as learning opportunities. It brings me to failures because, you know, when we're looking at having a growth mindset, failure is one of those things that's an absolute necessity um, because we want to be able to learn from our failures, right? And we've heard it before. And so I talk about failure as being, you know, we want to fail fast. We want to fail uh, forward and we want to fail famously, right? So let's, hey, we made a mistake. Let's get over it. Let's move on. Let's forward for what's next with that next step. And then fail famously is talk about it as a team. Like, hey, this is what happened. And, um, and this is how we, this is what we learned from it. Because the reality is, my friends, life happens for us, not to us. And now this is in your personal life as well as your professional life, right? Life is constantly happening for us and not to us. And so we want to be able to analyze that failure, what was that for? What were we supposed to take out of that? Right? What were we supposed to bring back and bring out of it? So one of the tools I've used with my um, some of my leadership teams is called a Lily meeting. Lily, L-I-L-I, Lily, Lily, whatever you want to call it. But it's a Lily meeting. And a Lily meeting is a love it or lose it meeting. Sometimes people call it failure meetings. I'm not a big fan of using the word failure meetings, but uh, love it or lose it meeting, meaning we tried something. We tried something and we loved it or we are losing it or we lost it or it's something that, you know, wasn't going to work or needs tweaking. And so, you know, when you're looking at creating a growth mindset culture in your organization, having these conversations, a Lily meeting might be every 
You could do it once a month. Some of my tech companies do it once a month. Uh, some of my smaller organizations, they'll do it maybe once a quarter and maybe do a two or three hour meeting and encourage the team you know, to make sure that they're presenting something in a Lili meeting, that they're bringing an idea forward that they've had from one meeting to the next. They've had time to try it, test it, see if it works, see if it doesn't, right? That allows you to practice what a growth mindset uh, really is. And and again, if you've got a team of seven people or 700 people, that practicing of the growth mindset starts to be infectious in your culture. That's what we're really looking for, right? And so when you fail over and over again, it's literally the definition of insanity. And so we want to be able to make sure that you're failing, but you're learning from those failures, right? You're not just failing and making the same mistakes. You're failing and you're, you're failing forward, you're failing fast, and you're failing famously. You're talking about it. And so when, you're fe- when you're, your team members feel that they're, that they're growing and they're developing and that they're supported by you, they're more likely to take ownership of their work. Um, they're more likely to practice innovation and ultimately be more productive. So that's tip number one, my friends, is, hey, it's a human need to know that our effort is making a difference and that we need to feel significant in our organizations. So to be able to practice that growth mindset, um, identify what practicing it might look like in your organization. Maybe it's having a Lily meeting. Maybe it's having uh, fail forward conversations. Um, You know, just take a look at your organization, depending on the size, And how are you going to specifically action having that growth mindset culture? Another thing when it comes to practicing growth mindset sometimes is using your core values, your vision and your mission. We talked about it in the last episode, using those core values to to practice some of these things, right? To practice that growth mindset. I also like to have it up, depending on the size of your organization, I like to have growth mindset tips and quotes and and techniques and tools uh, posted everywhere in in your office environment. Um, Sometimes in emails that I'll send, I'll do it at the end of my signature, like a growth mindset quote, uh, just to inspire and create a little bit of that energy. Um, Sometimes in a Zoom meeting, I'll have a quote on the screen before we even get started, um, a growth mindset quote or a positive quote, something to just um, inspire the the one hour meeting or the conversation that we're having. So there's a few tips for you. All right, tip number two, you ready? Uh, Tip number two is to be able to build trust through vulnerability. Hey, leaders, if you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I think a lot of our leadership programming comes from the leaders who've led us, right? The leaders who've led us. And because of the programming of the leaders who have led us, which could be a decade ago, two decades ago, 10 decades ago, we're going to take some of their strengths, but we're also sometimes going to take some of their weaknesses. And I have had the privilege of having the most amazing leaders um, over the the last few decades to to really inspire me and motivate me. Um, But some of the leaders that, that have been in my circle, they have some practices that I can't adopt in today's work world. So, you know, there used to be a time where it was like, no, you have to get into work. No matter what's happening, you have to get there. I mean, I drove through snowstorms and ice storms to make sure I went into work. And it was, it was in some days, not a great culture, right? Because it wasn't opening to, um, to understanding somebody's safety and the environment that they're, you know, the, the type of anxiety that sometimes situations can create. So we, when we're learning from our leaders, um, of the past, they might not have been so vulnerable, right? They were taught to be a very, I don't want to say dictator because I didn't have very many dictator type leaders. Some of you may have, 
but very strong in their leadership approach. Very, um, you know, a, a very low level of empathy, um, maybe even a low level of sympathy, uh, very structured, very strong. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you, maybe you've had those leaders before, um, but, you know, a bit of a, an I'll say old school mentality, you know, a mentality from a few decades ago, that's not going to work in today's business environment. And if you're practicing that mindset or that uh, that type of leadership, you're probably facing some struggles. And so, you know, building trust through vulnerability. As a leader, you need to create that safe environment where your team members feel comfortable sharing their thoughts, their ideas, their concerns. Um, hey, if their kid's sick, they need to like, feel okay to tell you, hey, boss, my kid's sick. And uh, because that's like their world. That's everything to them. In that moment, it doesn't matter about the work that they have to produce for you. It matters because their child might be sick, right? And so we have to be able to create an environment where our team feels comfortable and confident. Because if they do, they'll come at you and say, hey, boss, you know, my kid's sick. I need a few hours uh, to to make things happen. And then I'll hop online later on. Or if that's okay, can, can I go? They'll, they'll make They understand the importance of work because they enjoy their work. But if they don't enjoy that work, they're not going to be vulnerable with you and they'll just call in sick. And it starts to create that negative culture, right, where people don't share their personal things. So to be a leader in today's business world, practicing vulnerability is really, really important. And so one way is to be able to build trust by being vulnerable yourself. Right. As a leader, be vulnerable yourself. Share your own experiences, your own struggles your own failures, because we've all done it. And it really helps your team members to see that, hey, you're a real person and not just a boss. Um, I have one leader that I work with that um, she struggles with uh, social media. So she's like, Crystal, like I, you know, some of my team members want to be my friend on social. And I put out there on my social, like if I'm going to dinner and if I'm going, you know, here and there. And this is a fine line. It depends on how close you want to be with your team. Me, I am the same person on or off the camera. And so I'm the same person with or without my team. I'm the same person with or without my family. Like with, I'm the, I feel like I'm the same person. And so it doesn't bother me. If they see me, you know, going here, going there, doing this, doing that, like that's my authentic self, right? And so if you are a leader that's comfortable sharing your authentic self, share it and, and connect with them on social media. Uh, chances are, if you let them connect with you, you'll be able to connect with them, which will allow you to get to know them better. It'll allow you to get to know their parents' names, their significant others' names, maybe their kids' names, that their kid plays hockey, or that you know they really have their own hobbies of painting or pottery or whatever it might be. You being vulnerable allows them to be vulnerable. And when they're vulnerable and you're vulnerable, you allow yourselves to have a really strong relationship. That relationship cultivates a culture of success within your team. And so it's really hard for leaders to be vulnerable. Showing vulnerability can look very scary. Like Crystal, you know, all of a sudden you're asking me not to be the boss. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is take that deep breath, practice those core values, you know, allow yourself to be vulnerable. You know, we're not looking to share all your dirty laundry. We're looking to be able to make sure that they get to know you on a uh, a comfortable level so that everybody is comfortable sharing your personal life and your professional life. I know some people say don't mix them. I don't know how you can't because what happens to you personally affects you professionally. What happens to you professionally affects you personally. There's boundaries, of course, but the way you show up to things is because of the experiences that you have. So Practicing this can look a little bit different for every 
every leader. So um, again, I'm not suggesting airing your dirty laundry, but things like just knowing somebody's what's happening in their family. Hey, didn't you say that your kid, your your parents are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary? What did you get for them? I saw that, and then maybe a couple of days later, you might have seen a gift that you might suggest for them to get. Or you know, you can have these conversations that allow you to be more than just the boss or the leader. It allows you to be human and allows you to, to show them that, you know, I really care because you're practicing those core values and they will do the same in turn. So number two, build trust through vulnerability. Be vulnerable, be a vulnerable leader, my friend, and it will transform the way you feel when you're operating uh, with your team. All right. Tip number three, focus on employee well-being. We've, there's been so much great talk about this. Actually, I'm doing a, a podcast and webinar uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow we're talking about um, diversity and well-being and, and all the, the things that are needed to create these employee experiences and, um, and really allowing employees to feel heard and welcomed and included. And so focusing on employee well-being allows your team to feel physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually healthy because they're engaged with you and they've they enjoy their work environment. Ultimately, they're going to be more productive. So as a leader, we, we have to be able to prioritize their well-being. Now, there's a few tools I love to use here. Um, so one of the tools that I, I really love to use is called the science of fascination. It's a super powerful tool. It's a tool I've used for a couple decades now. Um, and when I pra- I just practiced it the other day with 200 executive leaders, and they loved it. Because what the tool does, the science of fascination, you know, we know about self-care. We know about making sure that you're balancing workouts and, and eat well eating. And that's all really, really, really critical. So don't stop any of that. But what the science of fascination allows you to do is allow you to, it allows you to see how you show up at your best self for your team, for your family, for your friends, how you show up at your best self, when you show up for your best self, how other people see you. And so, you know, those times where you feel like you're in quicksand and you just feel like I'm not inspiring, I'm not engaging, it's because you're not staying in your fascination state. And it takes work to stay in your fascination state. And so Science of Fascination talks about how do you stay in that state for a good chunk of time. Most people are, are in their fascinating state of very few hours of your work week. And so it tells you and allows you to stay in that state where you feel your best, you don't feel like you're in quicksand, you feel inspired and motivated because that is infectious and that will allow your team to be able to feel inspired, engaged, motivated. So it's one of my favorite tools. I'll put a link in here if you if you want some more information on it, but the Science of Fascination, uh, phenomenal tool. I work with organizations across the globe on it and it really is transformative when it comes to employee well-being because they're allowed to, it, it builds their confidence, uh, it builds their, their candor, it builds their tenacity builds their innovation level it allows them to be more um just more confident it really it gives them a confidence on it on a whole nother level and it also allows them to analyze their dormant advantage and the dormant advantage is um is the advantage where they're not going to uh, inspire engage motivate and the, the what we've learned is that so many employees spend a, a bulk of their time, sometimes upwards of 80% of their time in their dormant advantage because they're trying to be something for somebody else, but they're not fascinating anybody. They're not engaging. They're not um, encouraging or inspiring and they don't feel good. Um, and so the dormant advantage is a really great one because you can you can start to notice the physiological signs. Are you getting the headaches? Are you gaining weight? Are you staying up at night? 
Um, you know, what is, how is it showing up on your physical being? Um, and so you can start to be really tactful and, um, and adjust that environment for you. Anyways, if you want to know more, I'll probably do a whole episode on fascination. Um, actually, I will probably definitely do one because it's such a powerful tool. But in the meantime, focusing on your employee's well-being through practicing a tool like fascination is great. There's another phenomenal tool that I use uh, that is a, an employee engagement tool. So it allows you to, to kind of get, get your finger on the pulse of where your employees are feeling. So if you have a tool that you're using when it comes to employee engagement surveys, and if you did a survey pre COVID, please don't use that information. You need a fresh one because there's so many organizations out there that, oh, yeah, we did a survey and it's been collecting dust for a couple of years now. Um, so, you know, doing those employee surveys really will help you uh, to, to gauge where people are and, you know, put your finger on the pulse of how people are feeling uh, within your organization. All right, let's wrap things up. So developing that growth mindset as a team and being vulnerable as a leader and keeping your employees' well-being top of mind are all just a few of the techniques that will absolutely allow you to have that foundation of excellence and, you know, allow your team to feel engaged, inspired, motivated, and ultimately be more productive. That's the goal, right? We want to be a happy environment that's cultivated by success and, and productive. So my friends, I want you to be able to use these tools. So today, you've invested a little bit of time listening to this podcast, watching this video. And so hear me out. I want you to take just one tool, just one tool that I shared with you today, and I shared quite a few. And I want you to start making, taking, making and taking some action. So whether you're using the Lily meetings, the, the love it or lose it meetings, or maybe you're starting to learn a little bit about one team member at a time. Uh, to help you build some vulnerability, or maybe you want to build confidence amongst your team and practice the science of fascination, whatever it is, you just invested your time into listening today's, to today's episode. So right now, think about that one thing that you're going to action. Hey, leader, you've got this. And I would be absolutely delighted if you'd share your successes and your struggles with us. The Leaders Listen to Podcast is where leaders become better leaders. And we, come, we become better leaders by listening, learning, actioning, and sharing, right? Sharing those best practices. So share away. My friend, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you have questions, comments, you know I'd always be delighted to hear from you. Have a fantastic day, and we'll talk to you soon. My friend, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Leaders Listen Up, dedicated to business leaders like you. Your investment in customer experience is what attracts diverse markets, improves your employee experience, increases your sales, and of course, it sets you apart from other business leaders. I invite you to visit the show notes for free downloads like how you can attract top talent and our top 10 tips to up-level your customer experience. And hey, if this episode inspired you, share it with your team or maybe discuss it for a few minutes at your next meeting. My friend, a team that learns together stays together. For additional support and certified training, workshops, consulting, coaching, or if you just need a little bit of inspiration to inspire your team, what are you waiting for? Get in touch at gettheinsideview.com. We'd be happy to chat. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you again soon. Bye for now.